Venomous Duck Media presents Gareth and the Lost Island Disclaimer This audio drama should be considered rated PG-13 for discussions of sexual hijinks, drinking, consuming questionable potions, brief moments of violence, crude language, and even cruder humour. Please use caution when listening in public, as this story may cause audible laughter. Venomous Duck Media is not liable for any strained abdominal muscles you may receive while listening, or the strange looks you might get from other commuters. If laughter persists for more than four hours, seek immediate medical attention. Gareth and the Lost Island is a story of a young professor named Gareth Mintle, and his adventures dealing with pirates, reptilian slavers, irritable skeletons, and a vicious, venomous duck. Now, to best understand Gareth, and the world that made him, we need to go back to the beginning, and by that I mean the very beginning. Before luxuries such as time and space existed, there was nothing. I said there was nothing. Sorry. As I was saying, this complete lack of anything left the goddess fate with very few entertainment options. Bored, bored, bored! To relieve the tediousness of non-existence, fate decided to try a little experiment. I wonder what would happen if I do this? Fate's experiment had created the very first something. That something was an explosion so intense it spawned not one, but an infinite number of universes. Huh, cool! The universe we are interested in is one that somehow managed to meld both magic and science into a unified set of laws that governed how things worked. Yep, that was me! If we narrow our focus even more, we come across a solar system with seven planets orbiting a bright yellow sun. One of the planets just happened to be in the perfect spot to have life spring up. <laughs> that was me too! You're welcome! Thanks to the combined powers of magic and science, several sentient races evolved on Hadronus. Just like intelligent life throughout the multiverse, the sentient races of Hadronus managed to royally cock things up. Uh, okay, that was totally not my fault! The pride and jealousies of the different races led to two separate wars that almost left Hadronus bereft of intelligent life on both occasions. These wars were later referred to as the First and Second Great Apocalypses. Hey, narrator! Hmm, yes? While I'm immortal, the listeners aren't. You might want to speed this up a bit. Yes, yes, of course. Let me see. Ah, uh, here we are. Thousands of years after the Second 
great apocalypse, the intelligent species on Hadronas pulled themselves up out of the ashes and gave civilization a go once more. Of the remaining 12 intelligent species, humans rose to be the most dominant of the lot. Humans, just being human, bred like bunnies, and soon overrun the borders of their home in the southern continent. During this time, the 12 intelligent species on Hadronus, including humans, lived in a golden age of magic crystals and steamwork gears. Eventually, we reach the point where our story takes place. <sighs> About time. I'm sorry. What was that? Didn't hear you. Uh, nothing. Go on with the story. Despite the university he worked for being mired in greed and politics, a young professor still found reasons to celebrate and made his way to the local pub with his adoptive father. This young professor's adventures would eventually make him a household name across Hadronos, not to mention the tales of his experiences with a certain questionable magic talisman would be used to frighten children and those with sensitive noses around campfires for generations to come. Yes! Finally! We get to the good stuff! But we are getting ahead of ourselves. Before he changed the world, Gareth Mintle got really, really drunk. Gareth and the Lost Island Episode 1 The Spirit's Merchant All right, Gareth. You know the traditions of the spirit merchant. It's time for you to stand and give your nightly toast. Remember, it can be about anything. Um, let me think. Oh, okay. I got one. All right, Gareth. You can do this. Stand up slowly. And the room is spinning. Uh, come on, walls. Behave like you're supposed to. Stay still. Huh. Hey, look. I'm not falling over. Now, raise your glass. And try not to spill too much of this meat. Add toast. Some misplaced accent marks. Not that I've ever found a reason not to drink to something. But what in the 34 layers of hell does an accent mark have to do with anything? Why, everything, of course. Uh, hopefully, it should secure my tenure at the University Arcanum. Num, 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 nums, num, nums. Hmm, now I'm hungry. Huh? One of the most boring tasks given to a first-year student studying Isian is to translate the works of the Isian philosopher Dravis the Martyr. The other professors. Say it's supposed to build character or some rubbish like that. My discovery will take Travis's works from being a tedious chore to something people will 
beg to translate. Right. No. Really? I was working in the library and came across an original copy of the first volume of Dravis's works. It turns out that whoever made the copies to be translated by students routinely put the accent mark in Dravis's title in the wrong place. You see, Isian has very few words, and the placement of a single accent mark can change the meaning and context of an entire sentence. My first clue to the differences was how his honorific actually read. Instead of Dravis the Martyr, his real title was Dravis the Hung. No offense, Gareth, but only a language scholar like yourself could get excited about a little change like that. What does it matter if some poor dead sod is known as a martyr versus that he was killed by hanging? That's just it, Trollness. Dravis died happily of old age. And what I suspect was total exhaustion. Hold on a moment, Gareth. I need more ale if we're going to get any deeper into linguistic history. Dravis's title had nothing to do with his demise, but everything to do with how much the women from his village and a few of the men were impressed by the size of the equipment below his belt. Sorry, here, take this napkin and wipe off your teaching jacket. Now then, it's safe to say you have my complete attention, Gareth. Knowing where the accent mark was supposed to go completely changed how Dravis's first works read. As it turns out, it was just an introduction for the other six volumes, which documented all of the numerous techniques Dravis developed over his lifetime of shagging. Of course, once I learned that, I had to find the other six volumes. Now that sounds like a set of ancient texts that I could appreciate. I knew I raised you right. You might be a human, but you have the heart of a dwarf. Like I've said before, the only thing we dwarves do more often than drink ale is have sex, and we drink a lot of ale. I dug through nearly every storage room in the library's basement. I must have sifted through several tons of parchment before I found the collected works of Dramas. They ended up being in an unlabeled box in the back of an alcove that was set aside for cleaning spells and rituals. Dramas may have had the appetite of a dwarf, but he was nothing if not thorough in the documentations of the techniques he'd either learned or developed on his own. Volume 3 is, well, let's just say I had to take a series of cold showers while I translated it. Hold up for a minute, Gareth. It looks like a pretty little dryad is headed our way. Judging from the wood grain pattern I can see, I would guess her bonded tree must be an elm. One thing I've always wondered about dryads 
is how they manage to keep from tearing their leaf dresses, considering how large their breasts usually are. I hope this one shaves down below. I hate getting moss on my tongue. Hello, gorgeous. My name is... <laughs> Excuse me for interrupting, scholar. But the Isians were friends of my people before the second apocalypse. Dravis is very much revered by those of us from the Great Forest. Have you truly discovered the lost texts? Well, uh, yes, actually. Whoa! You lifted me off the bench with only one hand. We dryads are stronger than we look. You should see what we can crush with our thighs. Anyway, I've rented a room upstairs. Let's see how much of Dravis's teaching you were able to retain. I would love to go with you, but I just have to know which one of you is asking. The pretty triad on the left, or the one on the right? You're seeing double, Gareth. Now where did I put that blasted vial? Ah, there it is. Here, Gareth. Drink this. Three quick questions for you first. Number one. What is it? Number two. Why is it an unnatural green color? And C, IBS 3, is, is it moving on its own? Three quick answers then. It's the sobriety potion I've been working on. I'm not really sure. And yes, yes it is. Look, you don't have to drink it, but you'll want to be sober to fully appreciate all a dryad can offer. Plus, I think this beautiful sapling here would like you to be at the top game, so to speak. Yes, I most definitely would. There are several positions I would like to try with this young man, and most of them require fairly good balance from both of us. Thank you, kind dwarf. That has to be the best argument for drinking a potion I have ever heard. All right, nothing ventured, nothing gained. Good gods, Trollness! That tastes worse than your cooking! Wait, the room stopped spinning. And there's only one dryad standing next to me. You finally got the potion to work! Don't wait up for me. And they're gone. Time for my toast, it seems. I just have to stand on this bench so everyone can see me. Tonight, my son has done that which many, including myself, never thought possible. He managed to attract a beautiful young woman who approached him and nearly dragged him off to her bedchambers. <laughs> Fellow scholars, that was not the impossible deed of which I speak. My son is a handsome man and several women have hoped to ensnare him before this. No. 
The seemingly impossible feat was that the young woman was insistent he bed her not despite him being a language scholar, but because of it. I call dragon shit on that. Everyone knows who short little dwarves like to tell tall tales. Now, if you would be willing to swear it upon one of the accepted gods, then maybe we will believe you. I'll do you one better, you bigoted arse. I will swear on something more important to a dwarf than any imaginary person in the sky. I swear upon this fine ale in my mug that what I said is the truth, and if I should have lied, may my ale taste like scaled one piss for the rest of my life. <sighs> yep, still tastes as good as the first ale I had when I was just a wee lad. To Gareth Mintel! May he continue to do the impossible. Now then, Trollness old chap. Time to see who might be up for a tumble. Can't let my son show me up after all. Hmm. Those two over there wearing the gold sleeve stripe of the School of Mechanical Sciences look like they would make for an enjoyable and sweaty evening. I can't decide if the young man or the young woman is the better looking of the pair. Not that it really matters. Either one would look like they will put a smile behind this handsome beard of mine. This is my room, scholar. Let me unlock the door for us. After you. Wow, I, uh... I didn't know the spirits merchant even had rooms this nice. I, I definitely wasn't expecting matching furniture or such a large window. Uh, the only drawback is the fact that the window, which does provide a pretty view of the twin moons, opens up right above the stables. Unlike the rest of these sentient races, my people find the smell of fresh fertilizer to be very enticing. It promotes growth and new life, after all. I never thought about it like that. But it makes sense for a species that is equal parts plant and animal to appreciate that smell. Now excuse me for a moment while I lock the door. Uh, that seems like an awfully large number of locks for a rented room. This is the room I usually rent when staying here. The owners of the spirits merchant know that I hate to be disturbed when entertaining myself and others. So they installed these locks for me. You don't want to be disturbed tonight, do you? No, I don't. <laughs> I didn't think you would. Now... Let's see about getting you out of those delicious clothes. I have always had a thing for the University Arcanum uniform. With that smart-looking burgundy jacket and sharp gray trousers. Wait, before we go any farther, shouldn't I at least know your name? Do we need names to do what our bodies crave? No, I don't suppose we do. I didn't think so. Now, let's get rid of those clothes of yours. 
actual handle is definitely going to leave a bruise. But it's so totally worth it. Now that we have you out of your clothes, I must say I chose quite well tonight. I especially like your sandy blonde hair and your beautiful violet eyes. They remind me of lilacs in the summer. It seems like I am terribly overdressed for the occasion. One of the nicer perks of only wearing this dress is how quickly I can return to being naked, as Mother Hadranus intended. Raktha, unut u pordoa You are truly beautiful, child of Hadranus. You can speak the language of the forest. I haven't heard anyone speak it in years. Of course I do. Being able to speak the language of the forest is a requirement for all the professors in the School of Languages. Aren't you a little young to be a languages professor? Why, yes. Yes, I am. Well, in that case, let's see how much of a cunning linguist a young man like you can be. Bed's a bit firmer than I was expecting. Is this custom made? Focus, Professor. Right, uh, sorry. Oh, any other questions before we consummate our evening? Melinda? Melinda? I know you're in there, my love. Open up, my little shrub. What rot? Pastor wasn't supposed to be back until next week. Uh, actually, I do have a question, now that you mention it. Who's at the door? Ah, <sighs> my husband. Your husband? Melinda, dear, are you all right? Oh, something must be wrong. Boys, break it down. Uh, you might want to get dressed. Right. At least the two moons are providing enough light for me to see by. Now, where are my trousers? Oh, there they are. And now my shirt. Uh, why am I employing you if you can't even break down a simple door? Try harder, you fools! Okay, I've got my shirt, socks, trousers, and right boot on. But where in the hell is my left boot? Oh, uh, try next to the window. Oh, you're right. Thanks. Whoa! I'm okay. <sighs> you're going to want to go out the window. My husband always has several bodyguards whose second most favorite activity is beating people to death. Yeah, because being dead would completely ruin my plans for tomorrow. Wait a minute. I'm not fully dressed for a proper member of the University Arcanum. Melinda, toss me my jacket. Gladly. I wouldn't want my husband to suspect anything. Here! Not in the face. Oh. Ow. Oh, bugger.
Wonderful. Just when I was about to have a literal roll in the hay, some arsehole falls into an oversized horse trough not six feet away from me. <sighs> Sorry, you two, but it looks like we'll have to try this again some other night. It would probably be best if you both left quickly. I have a feeling things are going to get very tense in a few moments. Time to have a stern talking to with whomever it was that interrupted my fun. <coughs> Gareth, let me help you up. <coughs> Thanks, Trollus. My pleasure. Or at least it was going to be before you interrupted it. Tell me, lad, did you fall? Or were you pushed? I fell. And just why did you fall off a roof? Her husband got home early. I hate when that happens. If I had an IRD mark for every time that happened to me, I would have a huge pile of cash, twice the size of the one for every mark I got for a wife coming home early and catching me. Come on, let's get you out of that oversized bucket and back home for some dry clothes. <sighs> Thanks. You don't happen to see my jacket, do you? I lost track of it after it hit me in the face. Looks like it landed in that pile of horse shite over there on the right. Ah, oh, great. Oh, God, that reeks. Could this night get any worse? You know you just jinxed us, right? Told you so. Well, well, well. Look what we have here, boys. Looks like the uppity dwarf from earlier. And the idiot the boss wanted dealt with. Just the four of you? You might want to get some reinforcements. <laughs> we don't need to. I guess we'll see if the four of you can take us then. No, Shorty. I meant we don't need to go and get reinforcements. They should be here in two shakes of a melon lizard's tail. In fact, I think I hear them coming now. Gareth, I hate to say this, but we're screwed. And not in a fun way. I should have known. Scum from the university, judging from those jackets. My Melinda is pure as driven snow, and would never betray me. It must have been that... Uh, that blasted magic that you freaks teach there that swayed and seduced my little shrub. Don't you agree, boys? Is it just me? Or are none of these brutes willing to look their boss in the eye? Looks that way to me. And that one over there is pulling up on his collar trying to hide a rather obvious hickey. Damn, I think that last must be part dwarf. Shut up, shut up, you, you, you middle-class person. As for those of you employed by me, we will talk about this after you kill these two and give their bodies to the sea. You heard the boss. Time to have some fun. <laughs> Not as much fun as a night with Melinda, right guys? Uh, ain't that the truth? Uh, I mean... Uh, shut up, you! Get him, boys! 
I wouldn't do that if I were you. <laughs> and why not? Like your boss said, my companion and I are from the University Arcanum. We possess magic you've never dreamed of. I don't know about that. After my mom squirrel and parsnip stew, I have some really weird dreams. Tell me again why I let you into the gang. I think it was because you married my sister. Ah, that's right. And not a day goes by that I don't regret both of those decisions. Now shut up while I'm talking! What sort of magic are you threatening us with, Scholar? Nothing less than a Kronish protection talisman. You know, the Kronish. A civilization between the first and second great apocalypses, known for their powerful rune techniques. You lot have no idea what I'm talking about, do you? I think you lost them at nothing less. Anyway, this particular talisman is said to call forth the unholy winds to lay low the user's enemies. Krolness, grab my arm. To Shenish. Gareth, nothing is happening. <laughs> I don't understand. I took the talisman to the guys in Applied Magics, and they said that not only was it magical, but fully charged as well. Oh, oops. <laughs> and it turned around in my hand. Uh, to Shenish. What the hells is that? I... Oh. Oh, I don't feel so good. Oh. <laughs> yep. Just like me, Mom Stew. Ah, ooh, ah, ah, oh, the gods! My stomach! Oh, oh. Uh oh. We might be in even more trouble. More trouble? How is that even possible? Where are we, Trollness? In the spirit merchant stables, of course. Uh-huh. We're in a stable. That's full capacity with horses. And a magical wave that's spreading outwards. Oh! Oh, don't say it. Shite! Should leave now. Good plan. This has been Gareth and the Lost Island, Episode One, starring Peter McGiffin as the narrator, Jenna Oliver as Goddess Fate, Alan Petty as Tronis Granite Staff. Patrick Mallard as Gareth Mintel, Robin Regalato as Melinda, Alan F. Regal as the lead brute, OJ 
VA as Melinda's husband, and Ted Garman as the idiot brute. No horses came down with chronic flatulence whilst recording this show. When asked about himself, the director said that was a rather personal question and then asked us to pass in the air freshener. Gareth and the Lost Island was written and directed by Patrick Mallard. <laughs>